When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. anything different? Have you had a haircut? New glasses? I have had a haircut oh. as it happens, okay. but that wasn't the different thing. The different right. thing was I'm using a different coloured mouse today for my computer. Why would I notice that? Come on. Oh, Annabelle, something humiliating happened. Oh, go on. I had to do a work call that had an element of pitching for business. Okay. So I wanted to seem impressive Mm -hmm. to the person on the other end of the Zoom. Right. So what I did was, you'll see the the shelf up there, I arranged my various awards so that they they were discreetly in the background of the call. Usually that shelf has got like a stylophone and a ukulele and a bunch of crap. Mm -mm. Uh, But as you can see, some awards are on display at the moment. Yeah. After I'd finished doing it, one minute before the call was due to start, one fell out and smashed my other mouse. Oh, no. Oh, it did. Fell off the shelf, smashed it. That doesn't work anymore. And I had to spend £100 on a new mouse. Pride comes before a fall. Literally. It literally (laughs) came before a fall. Uh, So there was that, and I didn't didn't get the work either. Oh, wow. This is so bad. (laughs) Another bad thing that happened is it's half term at the moment, and... The teenager next door, who I just want to say off the bat, is a very nice young man. Okay. Has been enjoying his music at an increased volume level. During the day, is it? During the day, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Is it? But annoying. Yeah, very. I think when I was a teenager, I probably had my music on quite loud without thinking about anybody else. But it is it yeah. is annoying. Yeah, yeah. And especially given that he's listened to it in his bedroom. Mm. And I'm in my bedroom a lot of the time with the duvet over my head. Things aren't going great at the minute. <laughs> okay. So, and what music is he playing? I couldn't name it. You don't know. Okay, young person's music. But it's it's very rhythmic. Rhythm, rhythmic, you say? Yeah. Okay, it's got a rhythm. There's, okay. a, there's a lot of beat. Well, this is the thing. There's, 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 there are a lot of beats going on and a lot of bass as well. Mm. So I thought what I could do is play some music really loud and then he will get the hint right? that he should perhaps turn his music down. It's a technique. But then, so what I did was I turned my Sonos speaker to face the wall. 
And then I thought, well, if I'm listening to what I don't want is for just his music to drown mine out and it just becomes a big muddle of bass music. So I thought, what is going to be annoying to a teenager and be more treble than bass? Okay. I don't know what I came up with. Go on. Yodeling. Extremely annoying to anybody. It was surely. great. Well, as it turned out, it turned out it was quite annoying to Sarah, who was downstairs <laughs> doing some work. Where did you find it? Did you just Google? Just yod- went on Spotify. Oh, yeah, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, like Austria's finest yodeler. Oh wow. Yeah, it got through about four tracks before he turned his music <laughs> down. <laughs> but it worked. Unless he just liked it so much that he turned his own music off to enjoy the yodeling. And now he's going to start playing it all the time, which would be spectacular backfire. (laughs) It really made me feel old. Turning on yodeling music to annoy a teenager. Yes, the equivalent of turning on classical music very loud to disperse amuse. (laughs) Wasn't that Apollo Shopping Centre? I had to call you this week and apologise. Did you? Do you not remember? No. I called you because a few weeks ago we were talking about the Great British Bake Off amongst oh, ourselves, not yes, on the podcast. Yes, yes, yes. And you were going through the contestants. Yeah. And you mentioned Lottie. Yeah. I said, oh, I don't like her. She, and I used a phrase that my mum often uses. Yeah. Which my mum, if she thinks somebody is a bit full of themselves, mm. she describes them as being... I love me, who do you love? I love that expression. I use that now because I love it. Yeah. Oh, she's a bit, I love me, who do you love? Yeah. So I, I felt that Lottie was a bit, I love me, who do you love? And I yeah. felt that she was very cocky in her interactions with Noel Fielding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said all this. Um, and, and you look quite crestfallen. Yes, because she's my absolute favourite. But I don't, I don't think I even really, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. But I was thinking, no, I love her. Mm. What's wrong with me? I love her. Well, I've, I've changed my mind. I'm I think, so I relieved. Think she's, she's fine. I was really doubting myself. I thought, what, like, what, I've got her so wrong. I mean, I do think I'm a better judge of character than you are, okay. just generally speaking. Let that pass. But I also think I'm a bit harsher with my judgments of people than you are as well. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Anyway, yeah, I've, I've done a U-turn on Lottie. Good, good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Tell you how I miss the flautist. The floor. T- oh, I loved him. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. great. He was great. Um, what else? So I'm still off Twitter. Okay. For my mental health. Mm-hmm. Although, as I mentioned or alluded to, I am sort of in the midst of a sort of terrible depression and uh, can't help but thinking maybe it'd be better if I went back on Twitter. Distract the mind yeah. for many hours a day. Maybe Instagram isn't doing the job. Because mm. I've let Facebook creep in a little bit, just like personal f- Facebook. Okay. Um, seen a couple of things on there. One is my mum, uh, my friend's mum today. Did you see there was a story that went round that it looked like Woolworths was going to reopen? Yes, but it's and not. And then it turned out to be a hoax. Yes, I did see that, yeah. yeah. I love I love that kind of hoax. Kind of a low-grade hoax. It's not like, you know, aliens are landing. It's like Woolworths is reopening. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so I noticed my, my friend's mum posted, like she posted a link to the story and wrote, oh, I do hope so. I'd love for my granddaughter to experience it like my daughter did. Right, and I thought it's it it's Woolworths, not like a steam train or, or Disneyland. It's, it's no, Woolworths. It's just Woolworths. It's, it's a shop selling yeah. the same crap as other shops sell. I mean, it is quite fun the pick and mix, but but you can get pick and mix in like lots of places. Well, you now. can't because of COVID, actually, Annabelle. Oh, really? Oh, I don't I, think so. Well, I haven't tried. Yeah, but um, I've had fifteen years. 
<laughs> yeah, but Woolworths wasn't the only outlet. The cinema also has pick and mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should, yeah. When, when things return to normal. And then the other thing is I note I'm in a Macclesfield group. It's called Macclesfield Memories. Nice. Um, and is, it, is it because you want someone to post a memory of you and you're holding <laughs> out? Well, my sister posted in it. Oh, did she? I saw her post. Hi, everyone. My mum and dad are uh, now live in Wales. They're from Macclesfield. They now live in Wales and they haven't been able to go out of the house for months because of um, COVID and they, you know, they both have underlying health issues. And it re- they're both big fans of nostalgia. I thought my dad is not a big fan of nostalgia. Right. And my mum, I think she can take it or leave it. Okay. She just likes Poirot as far as I know. Yeah. yeah. All creatures great and small. Yes, yeah. So my sister basically asked people in this group, had they ever heard of my parents? And if so, can you post memories of them? Okay. Now, from doing the radio show, I could see what was about to unfold here. Right. Because you ask a large group of people for something, mm. unless you're extremely, if, unless you've taught them to reply in a, in a creative way, mm-hmm. what you're going to get back okay. is not very good. Oh, in terms of quality of memory, are we yeah, saying? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So most of it was people saying, no, don't remember them, never heard of them. Okay, that's nice. I'm sure that'd be nice thing to hear. <laughs> and then there's the odd one saying... Yeah, I remember Jeff. My dad's name's also Jeff. I remember Jeff. He worked at the post office. Or Right, oh, uh, right. literally yeah, just that. Okay, yeah. yeah. Or Rita worked at the hospital with my sister. Nothing more. And my sister in her opening post said, I'd like to collect these into a memory book. Oh. That's, that's, <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. what that memory book would read like? Yeah. I remember him. Yeah. <laughs> he worked at the post office. <laughs> They're really going to be basking in that nostalgia. Oh. So I think it was a nice, it was well-intentioned, it yes. was a nice idea, yeah, but, but ultimately quite underwhelming. Mm. Anyway, so I was back in that group earlier today, <laughs> and I noticed somebody had posted a whole separate thread. Right. Does anyone remember the sex shop on Chestergate, <laughs> the private shop? Right. Loads of people had replied with their memories of it. Oh no, like full memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sex shop gets yeah. everything. Oh. So it's like the, sec- the 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 adult the adult shop is is far more fondly remembered in that town than my parents who lived there for fifty odd years. Slightly heartbreaking. <laughs> worked like my mum worked in a hospital. Yeah, yeah. Like saving people's lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody had anything to say about that, but lots of people had memories of buying dirty magazines. <laughs> Oh. Or latex French made costumes. Says a lot about life, doesn't it? It does. It says everything, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> no. What's prioritised and how you'll end up being remembered. Right, let's uh, let's hear from some of these drifters then. What have what have they got to say? Uh, this one is from Lee. I would like to pre-warn you that it does finish with what I will call a sexual swear word. Mm, not just you, but Simon Bates, of course, as well. Of course, which I will not be repeating because it's absolutely filthy. Those mm. words won't pass my lips, so I will be replacing it with the word whisker. Okay, okay. And you can't give us a clue what it would rhyme with. I can say what letter it begins with. Okay. That'll be enough. 
Whisker, W. Okay. Lee says, I think it's fair to say there are many memories that evoke a cold, crippling, uneasy shudder. But as I grow older, I have learnt to, or at the very least pretend, I am now fine with these events. I think Homer Simpson once said, force the painful memories deep, deep down (laughs) and release them all at once somewhere inappropriate. However, one distant memory causes such a spontaneously violent cringe that even years on, it still practically gives me whiplash. Are you sitting comfortably? Sorry, are you sitting uncomfortably? (laughs) Then I will begin. My ex-partner lost both of his parents within the same year, by which I mean they both died. And he inherited a big house in the New Forest, which largely had not been touched since the 1970s. We made a plan. I would move and live full time in the house and spend a year renovating the property. He would come down weekly using his paid holiday to make long weekends of each visit. And after the work was completed, he would leave his job in London and we would both live in the property, blissfully happy forever. As it happened, as soon as the last nail was added, he sold the property and dumped me. (gasps) That's not for now. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Isn't it? I realised that living in a detached house in a fairly remote location, whilst obviously being the drifter dream, was not ideal, as I could happily play the aloof hermit and see no one. My My only human interactions in London were largely based on a geographic lack of being able to avoid people. I needed to get out there, shudder, and at the very least make a vague attempt to meet people. It was also important that in my time in the New Forest, I found some sort of paid part-time work. I met a nice woman called Jane and we went for a coffee. She was responsible for my first New Forest-located awkward incident. Please forgive my Ronnie Corbett-style digression. (laughs) She invited me to a pub quiz in a country hotel. And when I arrived, an incredibly handsome man approached me and said, Are you Lee? To which I said, Yes. And he went on to say, Jane can't make it, so it's just going to be us. He didn't mean him, me and the rest of the quiz team. He meant just the two of us. So weird. So weird. I had to sit through a lengthy quiz, totally sober, as being in the New Forest, you had to drive everywhere, like I was on some sort of bizarre blind date. Jane had told me about a possible way to earn a little extra cash. She was a member of the local amateur dramatics group and they regularly perform murder mystery evenings at grand hotels in the area. She said you earned £35 for the evening and often got a huge slap-up meal in with the deal. Faced with the only part-time work in the area of being a cashier in the local petrol station that was responsible for 80% of the local crime reports, I said (laughs) I was interested. Two days later, I received a call from a very stroppy curt woman, think Sue Lawley, who was in a flap as she urgently needed a male actor for a murder mystery that was happening in two days' time. It was like I'd been headhunted by a Hollywood agent to save a production. (laughs) And with my ego taking charge, I said, yes, I'm in. I immediately had visions of returning to London and saying casually, I'm renovating a house and I'm working part time as an actor. (laughs) The Sue Lawley woman and it said her husband would drop the script and costume round the following day. I asked her if we needed to get together to rehearse and she answered a curt no. It took approximately 20 seconds after the call for the wave of regret to hit and bury me. Was I seriously going to arrive at a fancy hotel and be a character? I wanted to cancel, but I didn't have her number, so I had no choice but to proceed. Suddenly being held up by a fake gun for a box of Monster Munch at the local petrol station (laughs) seemed delightful. (laughs) 
<laughs> I really enjoyed the writing on this Me one. Too. Yeah. The following day, a very miserable, put-upon sort of man walked up my drive holding a large bag. It was Sue Lawley's hubby with my script and costume. My horror was ramped up even further as I read the brief script and realised my character was a French prince and the costume <laughs> included a smoking jacket, a cravat and a cigarette holder. I was going to have to pretend to be French. <laughs> the scripts of the story involved a collection of people trying to escape Nazi Germany and took place on a posh train. Sue Lawley had put a note in the bag, <laughs> including the unfamiliar to me address with 7pm sharp written in capitals and double underlined. I had no choice. My fate had been set and this French prince was going to make his acting debut. I felt sick or je me sens malade, as I may now say. The entire day of the event, regret stuck me stuck to me like treacle. Being the new forest, I had to drive, which basically translates as I was to remain chillingly sober all evening. I set off and soon found the road the location was on. Somewhere in the distance, I saw a woman standing in a front garden, curiously wearing a wedding dress that was clearly too small for her. I drove nearer and thought little of it until I saw her joined by a man wearing a fly jacket, silk scarf and Biggles style flight goggles. It then hit me with a force like I had witnessed a steamroller flattening a kitten. This wasn't taking place in a hotel with a grand cast and a fancy meal. There would be no £35. This was taking place in someone's home for, and inverted commas have never been so necessary, fun. <laughs> I could do nothing. I couldn't just keep driving as each character is integral to the plot. No prince, no murder mystery. I pulled up and exited my car with a heart so heavy it was in the arse of my slope smoking jacket. I was greeted by the wedding dress woman, screaming. I can barely type the next sentence as it makes me cringe so badly. Pray gather, everyone. <laughs> Pray gather, everyone. His Highness the French Prince is here. The lawn was then filled with the rest of the cast that included a swarthy jewel dealer, a briefcase with plastic handcuffs attached to his wrist. He had taken to checking behind anything he came into contact with for jewel thieves. A female Russian millionaire who was clearly very drunk, by which I mean her character wasn't drunk, she was. Later, and out of character, she gave a charming rant about immigrants. Oh, God. Some sort of naval officer who I presume and hope was told in his character synopsis to be a sex pest. <laughs> And Sue Lawley herself, who was wearing, and I suspected the entire evening was constructed so she could wear it, a very elaborate beaded flapper dress. <laughs> the cast lined up and each treated me to an exaggerated deep bow. I glanced around the, <laughs> I glanced around the road and saw neighbours standing in front gardens with arms folded, looking at us disapprovingly, like we're about to kick off some sort of bizarre war-themed sex party. Sue Lawley disappeared inside, and I heard her, out of character, yelling at someone, and soon her glum husband appeared, dressed as a train guard. He, <laughs> he blew a whistle, and with zero commitment or enthusiasm, announced, Please join the train, Your Highness. Laws and ladies, we're about to leave. What followed could really fill the whole podcast, so I will spare you. <laughs> Highlights included me getting stuck in Sue's toilet due to a dodgy bolt lock and the proceedings being drawn out for 20 minutes by everyone thinking it was part of the plot and me not eating the meat starter as I'm veggie and the wedding dress woman acting near hysterical claiming the prince is trying to poison us all. <laughs> 
spent most of the early part of the evening praying I was going to be the corpse and found myself muttering under my breath, you lucky sod, when the character was found dead. The evening went on well beyond midnight. And after the murder was exposed, the Englishwoman that played the Russian millionaire started her racist drunken rant. Shirley, explained the wedding dress lady, show some respect. Technically, Lee here is an immigrant. A triumph. They actually thought I was French. (laughs) On the drive home, I literally had to stop the car in a clearing and sink my head into the steering wheel (laughs) to allow the horror of the evening to filter through me. Uh. The following day, Sue Lawley's hubby came to pick up the smoking jacket and asked if I enjoyed the evening. I hesitated and looked uncomfortable and his beautiful response delivered in a farmer type accent was, yeah, I know, son, it's a lot of whiskers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was wonderful. Wasn't it? I mean, I feel that that should be a podcast series in its own right. You I mean, know, I'd like to see a film. That that evening, yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be oh, great. But yeah. that evening told over ten episodes. Yeah, yes, ten episodes. <laughs> yes, that's brilliant. It should be done. It has to be done. Oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah. um, th- I'm in awe of that. Um, thank you. Um, I think I think we'll leave leave those there. I mean, yeah. we can't top that this week. No, no. Uh, send us your story, please. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Let's have another way in which you're not a fully functioning adult. So there have been a few office horror stories emailed in recently, one in particular involving a switchboard, which triggered a memory of one place I worked in, in between teaching English abroad and working in radio. So it was a foreign language school in London, which was weirdly in the most insanely nice building. It was on Piccadilly, like how the Ritz and the RAF Club and Fortnum and Masons <laughs> and the Embassy of Japan are all on Piccadilly. But this is a, an English language school. And it was a building that could easily have been an embassy building. It was so grand. And the school wasn't just in the basement or just on one floor of the building. It had the whole grand building and a big outbuilding as well. It's, it's only really occurring to me now how weird this is. Like yes. At the time, it didn't really register. This is quite a bizarre situation, especially as this school is a not-for-profit school. Although I don't really see how it could have had any profit, considering how it must have been much it's been spending on rent. <laughs> it has now moved, but to Covent Garden. So now it's just rubbing shoulders with the Royal Opera House and the Royal Ballet. <laughs> But the whole building was ridiculous. It had a staircase that was like like out of something like out of something from Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. Right. There was green silk wallpaper, ornate ceilings, chandeliers, marble pillars, all slightly run down. Though, right. Obviously. Yeah. 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 And I started working there as a teacher, but I hated it, and I moved instead to be the staff room assistant. And I'm sure that I must have had official duties, but the only things I remember doing is before classes, reading everybody their horoscopes in the metro, and then (laughs) cornering someone and making them talk to me about Nasty Nick from Big Brother 1. And then when everyone went to teach, I'd go down to the post room and chat to the guys working there, and then I'd go home at three. And I feel like there must have been other stuff. But honestly, I spent a good half an hour thinking, what did what did I actually do? Yeah. And I just couldn't remember any of it. The only actual work that I recall vividly was the work I did when I was asked to cover reception. So I was asked, to, asked one day to cover it because there's only one receptionist was in instead of the usual two and they wanted lunch break. And I got shown first how to use the switchboard phone. It seemed pretty easy. I, you know, pretty sure I'd picked it up. But I was very, very wrong about that. And the whole hour was an actual hell with me jabbing at buttons, cutting people off 
And then those same people <laughs> repeatedly ringing back and trying to transfer them again and cutting them off again. And it, it was something from a nightmare. It was horrific and there was nobody to ask. And I think because it had been a whole hour of basically sabotaging this business, I just couldn't admit it when the receptionist came back from lunch. And I thought, well, that was a one-off anyway. I won't need to do it again. But then, of course, I got asked uh. again. And by then, it was way too late to admit that I didn't know how to use the phones and I'd just been cutting everyone <laughs> off. So in total, I had to cover three times and each time was a living nightmare. And eventually, I just stopped answering the phone. And I planned to say that there must be a fault on the line when I got found out. Never did, though. And it wasn't long after this that they moved from this incredible building. And I sometimes wonder if I cut <laughs> off or neglected to answer the call of some major financial backer and having to slum it now in Covent Garden. <laughs> I've told you before about my friend Rick, who, when he was at university, lived in a shared house with a few different people. But one of them was this French guy who basically never left the house. Oh, yeah. And his friend tells a story of trying to ring, because this was back when people didn't have mobile phones, trying to ring Rick repeatedly over the course of a day and nobody answering the phone until eventually the phone is answered and then they hear this exasperated voice just say, Hello, I am French and in the house on my own. And then hung up again. <laughs> and you know the way that story played out from the other end as this poor French person was terrified of having to speak English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So was avoiding answering the phone. Oh, bless. Like you avoiding answering the phone yeah. for purposes of uh, of not being able to work the switchboard. Didn't you go back there to that workplace for something on the radio show once yes. and nobody remembered you? Yeah, no, I remember I went back and, the, and there was a lady who... She was kind of in, what was she in charge of? Like she worked on reception and I went back and I remembered her very, very, very vividly. And I, and I worked there for six months or so and I remembered her very well and she had absolutely no memory of it at all. And I kept trying, like triggering it and she was like, nope. And I thought, lie, say yes, vaguely you remember me. Mm. No, she just insisted she didn't know me. But just think about you like you're at that time of your life where everything is vivid. Yeah. And six months like feel big to you. Yeah, yeah. She's been there presumably like twenty years at, or more. at least twenty years. Yeah, just and so, yeah. and you're just somebody with that who was there for a few months. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean it sounds like you were a disaster in certain ways. You so think that she'd would remember make you memorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> After we finish recording this podcast, but before you hear it, it will be the adrift live stream for Patreon supporters. Yes, you'll know whether it's a disaster or an incredible success. Mm. I mean, that is if you're a Patreon supporter. Of if course. not, you'll, you'll never know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we, we are, because of the COVID restrictions, we did a lot of hand-wringing about it. Mm. And uh, we decided it's a workplace, so it's fine. Mm -hmm. But even in a workplace setting, we have to be a couple of metres apart and to be able to be both on the webcam. We're going to have to do it, go and do it at my kitchen table. Yeah. So I had to have an uncomfortable conversation with Sarah earlier, asking her if she'd just go and sit in the loft while we do that. Oh. And she's decided to take herself to the pub instead with a book. Okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. That's mm -hmm. the, the 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 next thing we're going to do after this. And if people can't hear it live, will it be available to listen to? Are they not later watching on? it? Are they watching it? Yeah, they're sorry. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I've never done one before, so I don't know right. if they get saved automatically. Okay. Okay. I, we'll, I we'll find genuinely out. Genuinely, have no idea. Um, I tried. I tried to go live on YouTube, but it wouldn't let me. 
Oh, did it say no? You sorry. need 24 hours. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like buying a gun. Too old. Yeah. Um, so we're doing it on something else instead. I think it might be called Crowd Crowdcast. Okay. Um, so, so there's that. And then I was thinking about the next thing we need to get done mm. is this laminated list. Yes. This chart yes. of things not to say to people about their job or, um, you know, other other factors that could define them in laughing on the outside, dying on the inside. So do we have some more of those to add to the list yes, before I do, you yes. get the laminator out? Then Dan says, I work as an audiovisual technician and if I was ever running a sound desk, I would be asked at least once or twice a week if I knew what every knob did. Of course I do. I've been doing this for over 10 years. Sometimes I would just say, not really, this is my first day. But mostly I would just look at them blankly. Thankfully, most audio mixing desks are now digital and look far less complicated. People always describe those things. It was them in the radio studio saying, oh, it's like the Starship Enterprise. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not very different. Royal Duchess Anna Brown. I'm a qualified librarian, by which I mean I... Oh, that makes me so happy we've got a qualified librarian listening to the podcast. By which I mean I... No disrespect to the sound engineer, because it's what my best friend does for a living. There you go, yeah. Yeah, I I respect all our listeners, but doesn't it just warm the heart to hear that we've got a qualified librarian... Very much so. ...tuned in? By which I mean I have a relevant post-grad qualification. (laughs) But... My current job title is information specialist. I'm not even based in a library anymore and I never even need to handle nor consult a book. When people ask what I do for a living, I'm faced with a dilemma. The reply information specialist necessitates necessitates a tedious and conversation-killing explanation of that meaningless phrase. So I sometimes spare the listener and use the alternative librarian, sacrificing another little bit of my sanity when they invariably respond, oh, you must really love books. Much as I would like to get paid to sit around reading novels all day, I've yet to find this ideal job, and instead my days are spent looking at medical databases, clinical trial reports and journal articles. What would you say to a librarian? My my thought wasn't that it was going to be you must really love books. I think we both say the same thing. Do you like going, shh? Yes, you must really love shushing. <laughs> I wonder if anyone else says that to her. <laughs> oh. When I was studying at university... English, by the way, because I love books so much. My boyfriend at the time was an archaeology student and he spent one summer on an archaeological dig. I remember him telling me that passers-by always said one of two things. Have you found any treasure yet? Archaeology is rarely that exciting mm. and you're normally looking for a change in the colour of the soil or something equally <laughs> underwhelming. Or you can come and do my garden next. Ha, 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 sob, 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 sob. See, my brain went a different way again there. Oh, what was yours? Like, have you found any dead bodies? Dead bodies? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I wonder, maybe that's the other thing you said yeah. a lot. Yeah, skeletons. <laughs> oh, and this last one's from Anon. I am a weather forecaster. Go on, say it. <laughs> Are you on the telly? Whenever anyone asks me what my job is, I tell them. When I tell them, I immediately get, oh, are you on the telly? <laughs> No, because I'm a weather forecaster, not a weather presenter. <laughs> or sometimes, oh, should I have heard of you? No, not unless you're a member of one specific squadron on one oh God, specific Air Force base. Since my work involves forecast forecasting for military aeroplanes for a short time i tried saying i'm a weather forecaster for military aeroplanes but then i reliably got oh you in the military no i'm not in the uk 
Military forecasting is primarily supplied by civilians. I then thought about trying. I'm a weather forecaster specialising in aviation, but that sounded a bit long and pretentious. So now I just say that I'm a civil servant, which I sort of like because I think it makes me sound like a spy rather than someone who spends 12 hours a day at a desk. In my work environment, where I am already known for being the forecaster, the most the other repetitive comment is, "Ooh, can you make the weather nice for my birthday, the weekend in Mallorca? <laughs> I suppose this is the more genuine laughing on the outside because I laugh and say, I'll do my best while dying on the inside. Wow. Um, I, I enjoyed all of those. Yes. Very much indeed. Um, please, the, the, there is still a little bit of time to get yours in before Annabelle... Uh, Draws up a chart. Yeah, it's happening soon, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on my list. It's getting okay, close to the top. Okay. Uh, hello at driftpodcast.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. I, uh, I noticed you'd like to add me to your professional network on LinkedIn. Yeah, I went on LinkedIn this week <laughs> and I hooked up with you and I've noticed, what's it been, three days now? Nothing. Going to do it now. Oh, thank you. Now. Thank you. Yeah, don't take it personally. I, have, I can assure you I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I joined LinkedIn for the first time. It's quite exciting. What's, what's going on with you then? I'm a businesswoman Well, now. I know you're a businesswoman. You're, yeah. you're an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, businesswoman. Get, get, got yep. is the website. Yep. So what are you hoping that somebody will give you an exit strategy then? Um, I'm just connecting with some people, you know, what else are you supposed to say? I'm just trying to connect with some few people. Hang on, notifications. You've not How withdrawn you it. Got? Oh, here we go. Annabelle Port viewed your profile. Yeah, I had a look and see what you you're up to first. <laughs> there we go. Let me. Can I just say so? So, I think it's great that you're on here. Right. I think right. you need a photograph on there. Yeah, yeah, that's coming. That's coming. It's, it's on my list. It's important. Yeah. What I find peculiar. Oh, no, what have I done? No, no. It's 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 because of how modest you are. But remember, being on LinkedIn to some extent is a hustle. Right. I'm on there because I'm hoping somebody will give me some money to do something. Right. I'm hoping somebody will defibrillate my career in some way. <laughs> right. But um, you describe yourself as editor mm. at getgetgot.com. Yeah. My website, yeah. Like Steve Jobs wasn't describing himself as the person who went and did the conferences at Apple. You know, you are you are the, the founder. Found, is that a better word? Yes. Founder. Yes. Okay, I'll change it. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg isn't a coder at Facebook. He's the founder of Facebook. Yeah, but I see it as this 
resource that I'm editing and putting together. Yes, and, but you you know, you have started a business. You've got had an idea. Okay. That idea is is when you're starting something new, you don't you get overwhelmed, you don't know what you need to buy, what you don't need to buy, and you want it all on a list in one place. That's a great idea. You've founded a website okay, based founders. on that idea and you're growing it outwards. Is that what Steve from baby did, stuff, when Steve Jobs was on LinkedIn? There was no LinkedIn. Did he, <laughs> there was no LinkedIn did in he, those he days. Did, but, <laughs> to, you had to put cards, you had to have business cards. Oh, okay. So what did it say on his business card? Founder. Probably, yeah. yeah. Okay, CEO. So founder CEO. feels quite... Yeah, yeah, CEO is fine. You think I could do CEO? I think founder is better. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to change it. Should yeah. I do it now? No, yes. I, no don't do it now because it'll be boring and you'll get distracted. And, <laughs> but you've got to get a photo on there. Photo founder. That's yeah. easy to remember. Next. Yeah. Next. Come um, on. Get get got is so you've got your little cell of get get got that's that's uh, that's good to know. Okay, but also you want some words like engagement, traffic, things like that on there as well. Right. Okay. What you need to do is we we have an old colleague called Clive Dickens. Yeah. Look at what he's wrote. On his, yeah, because you know he's he's <laughs> okay. you know he he is human but like a lot he's like a cyborg he lives on the internet as well yeah yeah and he's very good at these kinds of things okay founder photo. it was him who made me go on linkedin it was yeah founder photocopy clive okay anything else no i'd, right. I'd, I'd write these down instead of just trying to remember them like donald trump remembering <laughs> man person camera whatever it was okay i'll write it down we can talk about it afterwards yeah, yeah. um okay what 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 else um oh it's the cinema oh yeah i'm, I'm writing it down I can I'm, see. this is this is what's the problem it's taking time found a photo copy clive right you went to yeah. the cinema what did you see it's called cajillionaire oh yeah really good that's what i'm gonna be soon <laughs> what, what, not it? with the state of that linkedin no, page you're not good point, good point. Like a, a, an angel investor is going to look at that and think this woman doesn't mean business oh, okay. what would alan sugar think if he saw that i mean i don't think he's ever been on the internet no i oh, know he's on twitter isn't he yeah probably just twitter though mm. i don't know what he gets up to obviously because i'm blocked oh, yeah are you yeah of course you are yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, Kajillionaire Kajillionaire oh it's really good it's Miranda July who did oh yeah uh, she did a great film called You Me and Everyone We Know and she also did a really good second film that I've forgotten the name of but she talked in a cat voice in part of it which I remember can't remember anything else that happened apart from the cat voice and thinking it was a good film but this new one is it's 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 brilliant it's so original it's so funny it's quirky it's an indie i'm gonna say comedy because it's funny in parts but it's you know i don't want to do it down by calling it a dramedy because often a dramedy is just somebody who couldn't be bothered to write enough jokes to make it a comedy but it's like a really great moving interesting unusual film that happens to be funny as well okay so that's my recommendation we're going to the cinema yeah i mean i've not been this year oh, no, i went in march i've been once this year i went on the hottest day of the year in the summer good for you was it because air i thought where, where can i go that's going to be dark and air conditioned mm. it was the cinema and of course that was not long after they released the uh, you know relaxed the restrictions um so it's great it was just me i think pretty much on my own watching empire strikes oh, back mm. this was surprisingly busy do you know what i'm doing at the moment and it's not good mm. i'm looking at people when i'm out about looking at people who are indoors and thinking, you're not flatmates. Oh, you're judging to see whether people are in their like household bubble. Yes, I'm not th- thought to do that. That sounds yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's a great yeah. game. Okay, I think you're from separate households, and you've you've agreed to meet oh. here. That's um, uh, th- th- that's what I was getting up to in the cinema, but it didn't distract from the film. It was very good. Um, 
here's a here's a little uh, here's an odd thing. A friend of mine was telling me that they are applying. You know, they want the the they're moving house and they found somewhere they want to rent. Mm-hmm. But it's a digital application, mm-hmm. and it's really stringent. And it involves one of the things that they they ask includes: um, can you upload a recent selfie? No, why? I have no idea. Do you not think that's bizarre? Like, so I think it's bizarre anyway that you would want to look at the people. Well, I mean, I just think it's strange. I do think it's strange. I can't believe this is even allowed. No, I can't. So I think it's strange, and and you're, you're right. It seems peculiar that it's allowed that you you would judge people on what they look like, but also the recent thing makes it even more peculiar. Like we don't want a picture from 1998. We want to see how you've let yourself go in the in those years. I'm irritated by by the use of the word selfie as well. Why can't they just say photo? Yeah, Why do they you're say right. selfie? It's annoying. You're right. Um, and then just one other thing. I know this is all scattergun, but I think I wanted to ask your advice on. Mm. I see a lot of houses on my street and in my neighbourhood with Black Lives Matter signs up in the window. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it just didn't occur to me to make one at the time. Mm-hmm. That, you know, with the, the when the killing of George Floyd was this huge story. And... I now feel it would be weird at this point to make a new sign. Mm. What do you think? I think there is something a bit weird because it's sort of acknowledging that you didn't do it when everyone else exactly, did Exactly, yeah, yeah. Almost like I've been peer pressured into it. Yeah. So I think it's good that people have these signs up. But I think that in, in this kind of thing, better late than never applies. Do you think so? You don't think they've, people will just be thinking they don't mean it, they've just been shamed into it? Because it's or, because it's so far down the line. I think if it was a week later, it looks a bit like that. But I think seeing it's okay, months later, okay, it just looks okay. a bit like oh, I hadn't got around to it. Great. Okay. Do it well, as soon as I've done my ice bucket challenge, <laughs> which I'm not. I'm not liking the two two things. I'm, right. I'm just being flippant. Yeah, yeah. Right. Good. Thanks for helping me with that. Speaking of quandaries. Yes. Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic, hearing problematic. Okay, first one from Lauren. My boyfriend and I have a pandemic delivery-related quandary. Pre-COVID, we were both out of the house at work for the whole day, so taking in parcels for neighbours was never something we had to get involved in. However, I am now working from home, and it's unlikely I will return to office life. My boyfriend has been shielding, but will likely be working from home too. Here's where the quandary comes in. We now seem to be taking in more and more parcels for neighbours who are now back at work and we're concerned that we're becoming our street's parcel depot. I know you've discussed the etiquette around parcel collection and drop-offs before, but is there a way we can stop being the depot to begin with? As we have been shielding due to COVID, we're still being extremely careful, but our neighbours are, shall we say, not keen on social distancing. My boyfriend suggested just not opening the door unless we're expecting something. But what if we have an unexpected delivery and then it goes to our neighbour? God forbid we then have to go and knock to pick up our own parcel from someone else. Is there any way we can stop this happening? Hmm. I don't know if there's a way you can just stop it like that. You could damage a few parcels and the people... (laughs) Because you can, for some companies, specify if you don't want a particular neighbour to pick it up, can't you? What? Yeah, yeah, there are some companies, when I'm trying to think of the one, 
I think it maybe it's either Hermes or DP. One of, of course, any, it's either Hermes <laughs> or DP. It's one anyway. It's one of them where you can say if you don't want it to be picked up by a certain neighbour. I think. Am I? Did I dream this? So, so like when I had that toaster delivered. Yeah, yeah. And it and it just somebody accepted it, and I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is. If I suspected which house had that toaster, yeah, yeah, could I could say, tell the delivery company. Don't leave it with them. Don't ever, yeah. Which is which I think you should be able to do. Yeah. Because, I know it's depressing, but they might be stealing it. Yeah, but if you were sort of spilling stuff on the parcels and you could, when they come to pick it up, say, oh, sorry, I spilled some tea on it. Lots of jam. Sorry. Jam on yeah, your fingers. Yeah, Sticky got, fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I thought it was for me and I opened it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Eventually, willful destruction. Word will get round. Yeah, and everyone will be. You'll be on the blacklist. Or there's the old note on the door, which I did for a long time. I've stopped doing now. Where you have a note on the door saying, "Please, please leave parcel on doorstep," which means that your parcel gets left on the doorstep. You don't have to speak to anyone, and they're not going to leave someone else's parcel. They send it to someone else. It, that does work very well. Great, great. Okay. Should we go on to the next one, Nim? Hey, we don't see much of anymore. No hawkers or circular signs. No, I know. Yeah, Let me see. I might shame. get uh, Comrade Jojo. You don't really see hawkers so much, though, do you? No. Since our local municipal swimming pool has reopened, I have been going early morning swimming. The pool is a lovely Victorian swimming bath with cubicles around the side. Due to COVID distancing rules, there are a maximum of 15 people allowed in the pool at any 45-minute session. There are three lanes, slow, medium and fast. I tend to opt for the middle lane as I don't want to appear showy-offy in the slow lane and I don't want to hold people back in the fast lane. There is a maximum of five people in each lane, so if I'm not one of the first in the water, I don't get my preferred lane. As I said above, I'm a relatively new swimmer to the morning sessions. Before the pandemic, I did lots of other activities, but hardly did much aquatic sports. Many of the swimmers are senior citizens and have been coming for years. A number of them stop in the shallow end for a chat with fellow swimmers. We aren't allowed to overtake, but other swimmers need to make way for someone coming up behind them to go in front of them at the next lap if that swimmer is going faster than them. My particular quandary is to do with when I come up behind a particularly slow, slow swimmer and I'm repeatedly having to have them allow me to go first. At first I say, thank you. Then I say, me again. <laughs> then, may I? Then I'm back to, thank you. And so the cycle of conversation mm-hmm. goes around again. This can be even more tricky when there are more than one slow-ish swimmers I have to go in front of. Now, I could go in the fast lane, but I only do breaststroke, apart from my final lap, which I managed to push out one lap of front crawl. But in the fast lane are mostly very determined front crawlers, and then I will be the one who has to be the gracious one to let people pass me. It is very much akin to the holding the door open scenario you've touched on before in Quantry Corner, Glackland, etc. But this is water-based and has the potential of me seeing these same faces five times a week from 8am to 8.45am. Should I say thank you every time or is once enough for each session? I mean, could we could we be doing a polite smile? Yeah, and there's kind of like, oh, sound you can make. You go, oh. it's, it, to me, it sounds exhausting. Mm. I mean, yeah, I'm exhausted yeah, yeah. by the fact every lap you have to kind of do some kind of interaction. Oops. Yeah. What I would consider doing is getting 
blackout swimming goggles if they exist, so they can't see your eyes. <laughs> so nothing you can put in your mouth, you know, like one of those breathing things. Yeah, a breathing thing in the mouth, and can you get a, a scuba sw- thing? Is it? Can you get swimming headphones? A snorkel. You a must snorkel. be able to get swimming headphones if you can't. You I'm- can, but I just think it takes a certain type of person. We, you know, I ultimately admire this type of person mm. to be able to ignore other people just because they've got headphones in. I, and my wife can sit in the back of a taxi and put headphones in and, and not worry about looking rude to the driver. I can't do that. Right. And it'd be the same in the swimming pool, I guess. Yeah. Also, I'm imagining these uh, the, these waterproof headphones are quite discreet. Oh, I always imagine them as being quite chunky. That's interesting. Oh, and yellow. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they go in the water, yeah, they'd have yeah. to be yellow, yeah. yeah I, I mean, it's not a very good idea. It's just a suggestion. Um, <laughs> so maybe just a... An eyebrow. Oh. What about if you say at the beginning, the first time, thank you, and for all the other times, no. What about if you just stayed submerged? <laughs> just swam underwater. Yes. Swam through their legs. Actually, that's the best idea of all. Yeah. I would do that. Okay, there we go. Brilliant. That's that solved. that was our podcast thank you very much to you for listening as ever we appreciate you you should feel appreciated you should feel good about yourself um you really mean the world to us maybe not the world but in your in your own little way you're contributing to our self-esteem i think by listening to the podcast yep hope you get something out of it we certainly do um thanks (laughs) i don't know what any of that was (laughs) why don't you interject sometimes if, it, if I'm embarrassing myself like that why don't you just stop remember years and years ago when we were doing the radio show the managing director of the radio station said you know you, you should just stop him if you... <laughs> I just I'm always very interested to see where it's going why would I stop something that like is becoming what made more you think more... it was apparent it wasn't going well, anywhere but it, no but what I mean is that's what makes it even more interesting. It's not going somewhere, so I'm wondering how you're going to try and rescue it. But you're it. thinking of it all wrong. You're not a spectator watching something <laughs> terrible unfold. You are the co-creator and co-host of this podcast, and it's becoming derailed, and you could prevent it. But what if you... You'd be like, it's like Superman no. just hovering there in midair, no. thinking, oh, I'm going to watch this disaster. <laughs> I trust you. To sort of bring it back, and but by I interrupting I? it, I could have stopped something brilliant. But you didn't. No. Anyway. I'm going to work on that. All right. (laughs) Uh, Thanks to Man in the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took the photos. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. And I will finish this week uh, with my favourite quote from this week's episode, which is, Je me sens malade. Shauna Winterbottom, how lovely to hear from the Duchess of Manchester, Shauna Winterbottom, who says, I'd like to request a podication this week, if possible, although I realise that's probably pushing it. But you you managed it, didn't you? You did it. You rejigged a few things in your bulldog clip. I did. Oh, remember the bulldog clip. 
I was trying to find a way to tell some friends how important they are and how much they mean to me, and this seemed like the easiest and cheesiest way to do it. I've known them for probably 15 years, and they've seen me through a lot of ups and downs. It's meant so much to me that in one form or another, they're always there when I just need to hear a friendly voice. Like everyone, this past year has definitely taken its toll on me, and with my job as an elementary school counsellor in a high uh, in a high needs urban area, it just seems to get more and more difficult. I know that you guys don't have school counsellors there, as you've mentioned before, but from talking to my teenage niece, I think it's like a pastoral care person. Mm, nice. We never had a pastoral care person at our uh, our school. No, we didn't either. It's, it's quite. It's, it's. I find that weird that there is that doesn't exist here. Maybe it doesn't. It probably does. Mm-hmm. We had a. Did you? We, did you have a subject called VNS, vocational and social studies? No. We we did. I'm wondering if like that teacher, if if there had been anything, would have been the one to go to. I've got that in my head mm. for some reason. Mm. Can't remember the names now. It was two teachers. They split it between them. One had had been a monk in a previous career. Oh, really? And then the other one we called Pearhead. Oh. And people used to taunt him terribly because he, you know, he came to his job on a bicycle. No, <laughs> you're joking. Very ahead of his time. I know, but I mean, it was just merciless. That's like, terrible. People would be the shouting out stuff about him riding a bike to There was work. obviously nothing else to pick on. <laughs> well, there was the fact that his head was shaped like a pear. Right, well, that as well. Okay, there was that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think it, like, he had uh, bicycle clips for his trousers, which obviously was like widely ridiculed for. Oh, okay, of course. And yeah. I think some of the kids one day unscrewed all the bits of his bikes so oh, and when he got God. on it, it fell to pieces. Ter- terrible. <laughs> Oh, it was awful. I tell my wife stories like this, and uh, I don't know if it's an American thing or it's just our school, but I think it all seems unthinkable that kids would treat a teacher like that. Does that thing not happen so much in America, then? I don't think so, no. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Although, if you think about the Breakfast Club, they really tormented that guy, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't... I don't think he was a, a really... I don't think his personality type was right to be a teacher. <laughs> Not pear-headed, I'm no, sure no, he's no, fine. No, yeah. but, um, anyway, says Shauna, some days I feel so weighed down by things I know my student, uh, know about, uh, sorry, some days I feel so weighed down by the things I know about my students that I can barely get myself psyched up for being the emotional support for a whole school and their families. By the time I've had half a week of hearing about the things that my staff students and their families deal with, I find myself seriously questioning why anybody goes into this type of work. Oh, wow. I mean, that must, I think about that, um, I think about therapists and people doing this type of work and doctors, mm. just how draining mm. a day must be. Yes. The, the, you know, you're carrying the weight of other people's emotional struggles and burdens. It's, it's admirable. I don't know that I could do it. I salute you, Shauna. She says, then I get in my car, plug in my phone and realise that it's Wednesday and that I have a new podcast to listen to from Jeff and Annabelle. See, I told you it was cheesy. <laughs> These two familiar voice. Oh, I've just realised. I've just realised what's going on. Yeah, I've been hoodwinked. Yeah, I was wondering who these friends were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's us. Yeah, I think I, I, yeah. On, on second skim, I realised, and I thought, well, 
Well, go on then. <laughs> we deserve go on, it. Then. As I've said, I've not been having a great time well, of things at the minute. Here so we is, go. This is here nice. This is nice. Oh, she says, oh, I don't know. Now I'm going to, it's going to set me off. But, um, Do you want me to read it? Well, I'm I'm reading, you know, I'm I'm reading it, but I don't know if it, you know, uh, she writes some very nice things, and I'm I'm quite touched by them. And uh, she says, "I'm certain I'm not the only one whose heavy heart lightens just a bit when I know it's time to hear more stories about you and about the drifters read hilariously by Annabelle." Oh, she's, it's very nice, Shauna. I can't read all of it because it'll okay. set me off. But, okay. Uh, okay. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to write that. It's a lovely thing. Yeah. Well, where do we go from here? Live show. Downstairs to the kitchen. Um, I need to pull it together by then. Yeah. Maybe I need to listen to some techno music to get myself psyched up. I've got some apple fruits, don't worry. You have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made to make your mouth water. Exactly. Great. Uh, all right, Shauna, thank you. Um, now I feel like I've been banging on too much on the podcast about what a time of it I'm having. Nope. I need to bottle it up. No. Yeah, but I'm sure that Shauna would agree. What he needs to be doing is bottling it up. <laughs> oh, it's going to get better though, isn't it? Of course. As um, a quote attributed to, but not necessarily by John Lennon says, uh, it'll be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. There you go. Yeah. So uh, so there you go. Latest edition of the podcast, Podicated to Us. Aren't we great? <laughs> and if you would like, thank you, Shona. If you'd like a podication, you can email us. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.